0: I'm Julian Brand and you listening to Scouted Chance.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Scouted Says. This is episode six of the 2017 18 season. I'm Jack Grimsey alongside Connor Garrett. Today, we're going to be focusing on the Bundesliga, but throwing in a little bit of everything else. So, anyway, let's get to it. How's it going, Connor?
0: I'm good, mate. It's been a a long few weeks without appearing on the podcast, but finally I'm back, and uh, there's a load of exciting things to talk about. It's been great to sort of, I mean, since we last spoke, we it was during the international break, I think, or maybe even before then, so it's been great to have club football back a few weeks. There's some really sort of tasty narratives starting to develop in the Premier League, the Bundesliga, and across Europe. Um, obviously, those two are my main focuses, so yeah, it's really exciting. Let's get going.
1: Yeah, exactly. Back in the swing of things now that the season's underway, and it's been a couple of weeks off the pod for me as well, but... Anyway, let's talk about something that you were close to last weekend. Of course, you were in Munich for the Bayern game, and there's kind of a mini-crisis going around against Bayern, going around Bayern now, um, now that Manuel Neuer has been hurt and is going to be out, what, until 2018? So the rest the rest of the calendar year.
0: Yeah, I mean, he... Um, obviously, that's a terrible sort of bit of news for both him personally and the club. Um, he's so sturdy, and like uh, even at the weekend, they're playing Mainz for a weaker team, Uh comparatively in the league um, which I mean sort of a bit begrudging to say that but whatever I mean who
1: who in a weaker team comparatively to Bayern Munich uh,
0: I mean at least maybe like if you look at like Dortmund and Leipzig maybe they can push them this se- season in the league um, but um, yeah uh, if you look at uh, Manuel Neuer he, even against those smaller teams, he produced some really good moments. He made a couple of really good saves from the likes of Robin on at the weekend. Um, it's interesting that we're talking about crisis of Bayern, considering they disposed with Andelect routinely, but sort of still, in terms of the scoreline, it's still quite flatteringly. Um, and then against Mainz, they're very, very ruthless. They're, they're much the better team, completely deserved it. So, seven goals without reply last week, um, but it's still the, these crisis. The, the crisis hasn't really abated. There are, uh, there's a lot of um, sort of problems in the dressing room with the likes of like Thomas Müller and uh, Robert Lewandowski both speaking out. Lewandowski obviously being a key performer last week, so that's quite. It's sort of maybe even led credence to this point because he's obviously still giving it his all, but he's just raising sort of some of his concerns. Um, but yeah, this Manuel Neuer thing, I think again, is probably actually more important in the sense that there is a severe dearth in quality behind Manuel Neuer in the goalkeeper position, which there hasn't been sort of in the last few years, um, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like you were saying about those guys like Lewandowski-Müller, leaders in the dressing room strep- stepping up. Neuer was trying to step up and calm everyone, but now it's it's going to be a little harder with him off of the pitch. Um, so far this season, we've seen Lewandowski's topping the gold charts in the Bundesliga with five. He's alone at the top for now. Of course, a lot of games going on today. We'll get to that, but Bayern, Bayern Schalke, they're both on nine points and Schalke... It's it's in Shaka or in Gelsenkirchen today, so it's it's a chance for them to hop iron in the table.
0: Yeah, and I mean obviously that's quite a young team they've put out. Um, obviously it, we're recording this now. I think the team the game hasn't even started yet as we speak. Um, but when this is released, I imagine people will know the score. But I believe there was like five under twenty threes in that team. Uh, probably the headline of that being Weston McKinney making his first like big appearance in the Bundesliga uh, for the club. Um, it's. Definitely gonna have been an interesting game. I would have thought so. All eyes on that um, when that kicks off. Um, and yeah, no, yeah, a lot of
1: big big news yesterday. I guess Monday from when we're recording this, that would have been the 18th of, of September. Was that Schalke were getting ready to offer Leon Goretzka 190,000 euros a week to try to warn off ward off that interest from Bayern Munich. Of course, he's out of contract at the end of the year, so he could sign a pre-contract in January, and that'd be a bad one for Schalke to lose. I mean, they've they've lost a lot of players like Goretzka lately, but it's. I mean, it seems like he's all he's going to go to Bayern.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously he's an absolutely fantastic player. He's very young. Uh, he's got quite. He's got a decent amount of experience now, and he seems to have got those injuries behind him. So, for a club like Bayern, he's actually probably the sort of player that you'd be interested in in terms of bulking up the squad. Um, but. Yeah, for Schalke, he's absolutely crucial that they at least try their absolute utmost to keep him. So, yeah, I, it would be nice to see him sort of be a key player at Schalke rather than sort of be either sort of a team player or a bit part player at Bayern. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll see how that develops.
1: Yeah, it's it's exactly like what happened to Sebastian Rudy and Nicolas Sule last summer, moving from Hoffenheim to Bayern. But anyway, let's let's kind of continue with that theme of injuries that we had, starting with Neuer. So. Usman Dembélé, record signing at by Barcelona, 105 million euros initially. Obviously, it's going to be a lot more than that. But he's hurt; he's out for the next few months. He just had surgery in Finland today, so he's he's going back to Barcelona. But he's also out until 2018.
0: And again, I think that's another big blow. Maybe not in the sense of like immediately sporting uh, for Barcelona, because I don't think at this stage of his career, but Usman Dembélé is like the best option that uh, Barcelona have on the flanks. Uh, he's definitely up there, but you know you could definitely look at like a few of these other guys that they haven't the scored coming and filling in just as well, or maybe even better. Um, but in terms of development, it's not great, and in terms of like marketability, the fact that their the most important player is out basically straight away for three to four months is is terrible for them. It's obviously in terms of him trying to get into the rhythm of football over there and sort of understanding how the team plays, it might mean that we're going to have to be waiting quite a lot longer even after the initial injury is over for, to see him properly sort of getting into that uh, team and being a sort of a very important part of it. So it is a real shame. Um, but I don't know who do you think is going to sort of be the guy that takes over that sort of mantle?
1: Oh, I think, I think they'll kind of go by committee and try to see if someone can win the job, because like you're saying, it's not that horrible sporting. They're going to lose probably 10 million. And if you look at how the transfer fee is over the, over those months and his wages for the year, but you know four months 10 million it's marketability it's bad and f- for fan morale but like you said on the pitch it might be okay because they have Gerard de la he's i think he's a good option he came through the barca system even though he's went on loans elsewhere he, he kind of knows it and so does art Turen, but he's really old i'm hoping that they'll trust barcelona b and try to bring up someone from there maybe uh jose Arnaiz diaz he has four goals so far this season for barca b in la liga one two three the Segunda division. Uh, but last year he was at Real Valladolid. Excuse me, Via Valladolid and uh he had twelve goals, four assists for them in thirty five games and went over to Barcelona. So I mean they've they've an option there if they trust La Masia but I th- you know it's it's not gonna be massive in the Champions League knockout stages or something. He'll be back for then, right?
0: Yeah, I mean obviously those are the the sort of crunch games. Hopefully by then he'll be back, and I think the most important thing about that is like even when he's back, he needs to be getting the minutes under his belt and get back firing. Um,
1: yeah, kind of integrating with his teammates. He needs to learn how how they need him to play there under a nest a already new manager. So everyone's still kind of getting up to speed, but they're top of the league, so it's it's not like there's a super crisis in Catalonia.
0: Uh, exactly, and I think uh, a lot of the crisis talks this summer are probably talking about how the way that the clubs have managed over the last few years. Obviously, even if you're there's a bit of problems at the top in terms of management, in terms of some of the decision-making that's going on uh, for transfers and contracts and stuff like this. Um, It takes a lot to like completely ruin a really, really good team. The nucleus of this team is still really good. The nucleus of this team is still the nucleus of one of the best teams in the history of football. You've got obviously Messi, Suarez, uh, Busquets. Yeah. Iniesta. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the the crisis was never going to be Barcelona are now a mid table team. The the crisis was going to be, are Barcelona going to get to the semi finals of the Champions League? Are they going to get to the final? Are they going to win it? Because these are the these are the realistic expectations of a super club, or even even knock Real off off at the top
1: of the league. You know,
0: yeah. Um, realistically, for a successful season, they need to be probably in and around the final of the European Cup. They need to have probably won the league, and they need to have done enough sufficiently in the cups and stuff like this um to um sort of cement their place as the dominant club in spanish football because that's enough anything less is not acceptable uh for either of those big two um but it's uh it's quite it might be a crisis in that sense but they've obviously started the season in footballing sense quite well um it's just when they get to these bigger games um that we might sort of see a power shift which is obviously I mean, you look at this buying crisis and. In terms of results, they're not doing that badly. Like, they, obviously, they lost against Hoffenheim, but they lost against Hoffenheim last season as well. Um, it's just you sort of you look at this team under Angelotti, and you think, how are they going to fare if they come up against a, a Real, a Barca, even one of the top English clubs, or Juve, or someone like that, or PS, especially PSG as well? Um, you sort of think in these big games, how are they going to cope? And yeah, it's the same with Barcelona. The crisis is only in relative terms, and yeah.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's an underlying theme to watch going forward, same as the the manager situation at Bayern. There's been claims that maybe Nagelsmann is going to be in there next season. Carlo Ancelotti rumored to have signed a pre-contract with a Chinese Super League club. I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see if any of that's true or not. But yeah, so let's let's transition back to the Bundesliga because we wanted to focus on that this season. I think uh, the craziest story has to be Hanover. Since, since they hired Andre Brighton Ryder, uh, it was on April Fool's Day, they haven't lost, and that's think, the two Bundesliga and in, in the top league now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously as a Mainz fan, uh, that opening day loss at home to Hanover um, really hasn't been... Um, it doesn't look as bad as it did now, um, back then as it does now. Um, I think a, a couple of points about Hanover, like, obviously one of the key players has been quite old, and Martin Harnick, who Most people probably know from playing for Stuttgart for basically forever and um, being uh, sort of a player in the Austrian national team. He went down to the second flight with Stuttgart two years ago, came back up with Hanover last season and has sort of become a key part of that attack. But on the other side, on the youthful side of things, um, there's a 23-year-old that the club signed from Fortuna Dusseldorf. Um, like a few years ago. Uh, he's called Ilas Bebu, who uh, I think he scored at the weekend. And, yeah, yeah. yeah he's been fantastic Bundesliga so goal. far. Yeah, he, he has been absolutely fantastic so far. I've been really impressed with him. Um, obviously, 23 is relatively uh, sort of getting towards being experienced, but he has shown quite a lot of maturity and obviously making the bridge to Bundesliga level is
1: a different task entirely to being a, yeah a, sec- a second Bundesliga team. So... Yeah, three clean sheets for them so far this season. And actually all five of their goals have come in the second half of play, so that's that's kind of crazy there. But um they're they're actually playing Wednesday, so tomorrow from the time we're recording this, I believe. And yeah, so there's already there's already been a a couple what, just one sacking, right, of Andres Jönker out at Wolfsburg. First sack of the yeah, year. I'm... Yeah.
0: Yeah, um Sort of seems a little bit weird. I don't know if you did you see Freddy Jumberg's statement on Twitter because obviously he was the assistant coach no, um, earlier. He's saying they're joint 12th in the Bundesliga, they've got four points from four games. He doesn't really know why they've been sacked, um, but obviously accepts the decision and wishes the club the best and all that, which is sort of quite nice. But I uh, would agree with him, I don't really see why Jonker has been given the marching orders. Yeah, it's the uh, it earliest, a little bit earliest
1: sacking of a coach by Wolfsburg in their history, so. That's it's weird.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think incidentally the appointment of Martin Schmidt is a really good one. Um, He is a very very good manager. Uh, is very good at sort of getting a group of players to be quite tight knit, uh, which is useful I think with this team, which sort of has at times seemed to be a little bit bit part. Um, And there are a number of sort of talented players in that squad, but they just don't seem to be doing the business. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does, having done quite quite badly at Mainz, to be honest,
1: last season. Yeah, so maybe it was a, a case of they really wanted Schmidt, and they say, okay, Junker, we're done with you now. And not not necessarily it was the worst start for them, but it was a, a coach that they wanted more.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I guess sometimes you can say that clubs stick with managers for too long. Um, there have been a, no, a number of cases um, in the last few seasons of, of managers sort of being there, and maybe the club's been a threat of relegation, not because of the team, but because... The club haven't been bold enough to make the decision, and yeah, I think Volsberg maybe have learned from like the likes of well, from when they appointed Valerian Ishmael uh, last season. Um, yeah, he only he only lasted
1: for 15 games. Sorry, and Jonker was there for 16. So you know, it's they were playing both there for the same amount of time.
0: Yeah, but I think the thing is that Ishmael was like a lot worse than Jonker was, and uh, it took them quite a while to actually. Sort of realize that and deal with it uh, was I think Jonker he he did a, he he did what he was there to do at, at the end of the day kept them up and the start to the season hasn't been absolutely terrible um, but you know maybe there are a few signs that they've seen in the way that the team are playing the way that things are going on behind closed doors that they want to deal with and yeah if you have a problem in the squad then I think Martin Schmidt is a good bloke to bring in
1: yeah yeah so someone who has had a terrible start to the season is F C Köln and. They had a they had a fun day in London taking the lead against Arsenal, but I think they're relegation real relegation candidates now. With after four games, yeah, no yeah. no points, twelve goals conceded, only one goal scored. That's that's relegation form, and I think this is the toughest the toughest maybe the Bundesliga has been in years. It's a really tough field. I don't see who's going down for sure, you know?
0: Yeah, I think it shows you the importance of Anthony Modesta to that team. Like, the squad doesn't look particularly weaker, um, but Modeste is probably the big sort of absentee from the team that was uh, obviously so successful the last season. Um, it just sort of seems like they're at a bit of a loss and maybe have lost sort of a totem of their identity in the sense that, like, their attack very much was Modeste and people sort of sort of going around him. And now that they don't have that, sort of player to look up to in the team it's uh yeah maybe like a a little bit difficult and once they figure that out they might be a little bit better but the fact they got Europa League which means they're not going to be resting until Christmas the fact that uh I don't think Peter Stöker is a fantastic coach at like absolutely turning everything around uh which is what they're Ultimately, going to have to do in the next few weeks, and the fact that they've obviously started so badly, and a lot of the players are completely playing within themselves, unless Köln are bold enough to make a managerial change, which I don't think they would, because Stürger obviously he's been at the centre of a lot of the really good stuff that's been happening at the club recently uh, in the last like, sort of four or five years.
1: And then um, even if they go down, they'd probably want Stürger to take them back up. Is how I feel about about that, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean. You'd ha- I would have to ask a Cologne fan, I guess. Um, but yeah, the the idea, like, what I've seen from them is that he's obviously a similar sort of figure in the club's sort of recent story to the way that like Lucian Favre was at Gladbach a few years ago, in terms of sort of him being pretty much re- responsible for the on-pitch resurrection of their fortunes. And it took Favre walking away for that chapter in Gladbach's history to end um, after a similar sort of start to the season, actually. Um, but I don't think any fan of the club then wanted it. I don't think any Cologne fan would really want that to end either. But it might be one way for Cologne to get back on track and sort themselves out. But we don't. We don't know. It's it's all sort of pure conjecture. But they have been awful, and I'm not quite sure when Mainz are supposed to play them. But I hope it's soon because <laughs> we could also do with the points.
1: Yeah, the thing is, uh, right now, I'm just looking at the up to stats, and they have the lowest conversion rate in the league of 2.6%. Obviously, only one goal is going to skew that, but um, yeah, for for an example, Hoffenheimer at the top with 24% midway through the table, Bayern are 9th, 13%, and mine's even 6.8%, is nearly three times as good as, as Kölns right now. So. Um, and they're, they're struggling in shot accuracy. You see Mainz are shooting at about 48% on target. Cullen, bottom, fifth bottom in the league, only 34%. So I th- I really think you can't overstate how important Anthony Modest was to that team.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And John Cordoba is obviously a brilliant replacement for him. Uh, I think all round, if not is a better player, like will be a better player. Um, But Modest obviously has like certain qualities that... He was really sort of the, that attack was built around sort of making the weak parts of his game um, sort of not really that relevant and making the strong parts sort of very very much at the forefront of what Cologne were doing. Yeah, yeah. Until, sense. I mean,
1: until they until they kind of get more used to that, there could be some some issues.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, but I I do think they'll work it out at some point it can't stay that bad for long because, yeah, like I said, a lot of the players have been playing completely within themselves in recent weeks. And, yeah, apart from t- probably the first 25, 30 minutes of Arsenal uh, away, uh, like which, well, I mean, if you're even going to call it away, the amount of fans they had there, <laughs> um, like, uh, I don't think I've pl- seen them play well this season and it's obviously been five games in. So, yeah, we'll see how that pans out.
1: Oh, my gosh, I'm just looking at the live score and Finn Boguson has scored again. Now he's tied. <laughs> With Lewandowski atop the Bundesliga for most goals as Augsburg lead Leipzig. So we're almost we're almost done with this podcast. I know you have a note in here about Weston McKinney. He's starting for Schalke against uh, Bayern Munich. So shout out to him for finally getting in that that starting eleven. There, um, it's good good to see another American there making that breakthrough because yeah, I don't know. Americans always coming through in the Bundesliga, of course. Yesterday, Pulisic's birthday. I have to give a late shout out. Happy birthday, Christian Pulisic! Um, if America's ever going to be successful, it's probably going to be because of you. So, hope you had a good birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um there's that really weird. I
0: I I imagine you've probably seen this, but there's that really weird um, Alexei Lalas interview where he's like completely. He had a go at Chris. He had a go at a lot of the players in the. USMNT, but I think one of them was he had a go at Christian Pulisic, which is com- it seems completely mad. To, like have a go at by far your best player. Like yeah, yeah, it was, for it was not any, really any reason. He's got quite a good record for them.
1: <laughs> he has an, an incredible record for for the U.S. since he started playing, what, at the beginning of last year, kind of March of 2016. But he called out Tim Howard, said the Belgium game ended three years ago. Michael Bradley, we don't need you to be zen. And then he said all the other players, the ones I didn't mention by name, oh, yeah, that includes you, Wonderboy, which I think Alexi just is ignorant to the term Vendekind. Maybe, I don't know, doesn't get lost in the language barrier or something. But he's. it's clear that he's already the best player the U.S. has or, I don't know, there will be better ones in the future, but he's the best player the U.S. has ever had. Better, way better than Landon Donovan. Just look at their stats.
0: Yeah, I think maybe the, the one thing that maybe would prevent you from saying that is just the fact that Donovan did quite a lot of good things for the national team in big games, which yeah, I'm yeah, sure, obviously, we're all aware of. But, oh, of course not, but uh, he will do very soon. Uh, if Obviously, obviously, there's obviously big World Cup qualifiers uh, coming up probably the World Cup uh, in the uh, summer next year. And at that point, he's starting to think, well, is he starting to to sort of come good on this promise for the national team? But then, obviously, he's still 19, well, he's just turned 19, and he's got so long to come good on that promise. And I think in terms of ability, you're right. He is the best American player I've ever seen. Um, So, yeah, it seems seems completely odd to criticise him for being good.
1: Yeah, we're not good enough yet. He just hasn't hasn't had the chance yet. Hopefully, the U.S. can manage to qualify for the World Cup. But just a quick stat: Donovan has two Champions League appearances for a total of seventy-five minutes. Uh, Pulisic eleven Champions League appearances, one goal, three assists in almost seven hundred minutes. Donovan played two hundred ninety-six Bundesliga minutes total. Pulisic does that in like a month. <laughs> so yeah, yeah uh, I, mean, I guess Pulisic will have to come to MLS to silence the haters. Is that how you... Is that how you yeah,
0: become the player he truly has to become, yeah. Just go you for know, a, a, a quick loan
1: a over the summer, play some games in the the hot Texas heat or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's what you got to do to to prove your worth. So,
0: well, yeah. yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't think Dortmund would be too pleased by that idea, but we'll see what happens. No,
1: no, I think they'll be perfectly happy to wait for him to develop and be confirmed as the best American ever. But anyway, that's, that's probably another... <laughs> another rant for another podcast but yeah that's that's pretty much all we have for today i think unless you unless i missed one of the other points you wrote down
0: yeah i think that that just about sums it up um so obviously a quick update we'll be back with steve next week to properly get a a good sort of shake on what's going on in european football yeah mostly mostly
1: in serie a, I think
0: yeah hopefully it uh, seems to be a very interesting season over there at the moment and it'll be good to hear some of his expertise next week, so tune in for that, Peeps.
1: Yeah, we wanna just wanna give a quick shout out to Pietro Pellegri, who is a sixteen year old uh, at Genoa, scored two goals after getting coming on as a sub. His dad's the assistant coach, they were they had a really emotional moment crying on the sidelines and so he's sixteen, he can be scouted for seven years. Are you serious? <laughs> like Well, there we go, there's the next
0: seven years of podcast sorted yeah, out. Yeah. Brilliant. Still four, yeah, four, he four, he, he really does have yeah, I mean, he still has like what, like um, some really good. His finishing looked really, really good at the weekend. His movement looked really, really intelligent, and he's obviously only going to get better of uh, experience, of bulking up, uh, with age. And yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to see him play. I imagine we'll be seeing him doing a lot more um, in the in the coming months and years. Yeah, uh, and yeah, we get to track seven of them. So <laughs> yeah, speak to you in twenty and twenty four. We'll see if he's
1: following up on us. On his, um, promise. Yeah, maybe he'll be in the playing in some international tournaments by then, who knows? But yeah, anyway, uh, you guys know where to find us on Twitter, of course. I'm at Jack Grimsey, and Connor is at Connor Garrett. We're at Scouted FTBL. You can listen on SoundCloud or iTunes, either way. Uh, or sorry, Apple Podcasts, I, I believe it's called now. So, anyway, we want to thank you for interacting with us on Twitter and Facebook, liking us over there if you haven't done so already. And, yeah, we'll be back next week with the full team, Steve-O back. So prepare for a lot of talk across the continent so and across the world. So until next time, I'm signing off. For Scouted Football, I'm Jack Grimsey. See you later, Connor. See you later.